Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for the worship, the word. Lord, your word is anointed. We're so grateful for it, Father. We're so grateful for the light that comes to us. The entrance of your word gives light. Father, your word is health and medicine to all our flesh. Your word is, it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, your word actually transforms the way we think. It changes the image that we have in our mind. Lord, even as you've ministered to us before, your word changes the vision of the outcome of our life. It goes from a place of this world system, fear and worry, destruction and, and, and unrighteousness to a place of faith, victory and overcoming in this life through your power and through our covenant with you. And we're so grateful for it. So Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight from your word. And we purpose to be not just hearers, but doers of your word, because we know that the doer is the one that is blessed. So 1 John um, chapter 2, verse number 6 says this, he who says he abides in him ought also to walk just as he walked. And what we talked about last week was uh, how we walk. Actually, we spent a couple of weeks on it and the different scriptures that talk about how we're supposed to walk. As believers, we have the potential to live at the level that Christ lived on the earth. Did you know that? You have the, Now, I'm not saying you're called to the same thing as him in the sense of That you're going to do what he did. It's not necessary for you to pay for my sins. You understand that? It's not necessary for you to pay for other people's sins. But you have the capability in Christ to live the way Jesus lived. That means that you have the capability to have fellowship with God like Jesus did. And walk out what he tells you to walk out. Now, when you're born again, you get that nature on the inside of you, which is called resurrection. You, you become a new creation, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, and then also verse 18, he is a new creature, a creature or she is a new creature. If anybody be in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things have what? Passed away and all things have become new. Now, looking at 1 John and looking at some of the epistles, you'd wonder why um, Paul and John and the others had to tell Christians not to lie, not to hate each other, not to fight, don't commit adultery, don't, you know, there's, there's some don'ts in there. And people often wonder, they think, well, are they really saved? Well, yeah, they're really saved. They are. They're really born again. You say, what's the problem? Their head is messed up and their body is just the same. How many realize that after you were saved, you were still you in flesh? You didn't get a new body yet. Okay. So you still have to control your body. The essential principle of the new covenant is this. You have a brand new spirit. Now renew your mind and control your flesh. If you need to understand what that means more, we did a whole series about it. But in in referencing Romans chapter 6, the purpose, what we're to do with our bodies once we're born again is to present them as slaves to righteousness, just how previously we presented them as slaves to unrighteousness. That's the essential principle, part of the essential principles of the New Testament. When you're born again, people don't struggle getting born again. They struggle becoming disciples. They, they, it, tends to, uh, it tends to be a little bit more difficult to produce a, a, a disciple than it does to produce a convert. Amen. It's the truth. It takes more to take up your cross daily than to just give your heart to Christ in a moment. Now, thankfully, eternity is sealed by giving your heart to Christ in that moment. But depending on what kind of level of heaven you want on this earth, you got to become a disciple. And it is hard on your flesh. The Lord will say things like, just present your body, even though it doesn't feel like it, to doing good. And your body will go, I don't want to do that. 
And you'll have to say from the inside, you, the true person on the inside, you're going to do it whether you like it or not. Um, sometimes you have to, when you wake up in the morning, you got to grab yourself by the nap of the neck, your, 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 your body, and say, listen here, bub. You're going to do what I want to do all day long. <laughs> Am I the only one? I Now, if, if people that are just saved, you know, they'll do things that they've always done prior to being saved, even if it, 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 even if it bothers their heart, because that's what they're used to doing. So you don't want to ride on them, but you also want to encourage them to keep growing in their relationship with the Lord. Um, through the years with the different denominations that I've been around, um, you'll get this a lot. You'll get this at times where uh, sometimes ministers will actually harp on sin. Like, stop sinning. Stop it. That's wrong. Don't do that. Stop it. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with defining what sin is, telling somebody to stop it, and, and defining it as wrong. But you have to know how to beat it. And that's where discipleship comes in. And that's what uh, John here is dealing with in 1 John 2, 6. You need to walk this out. So how do I do it? It is the process, the same process that we've walked in since we were born again. It is by grace through faith. So in other words, you didn't just get into the kingdom by grace through faith. You live in the kingdom by grace through faith. You have to understand the graces that are in you, have your mind renewed to the reality of the power that is within you, and then by faith walk those things out. And the, the, the longer you do this, the more you mature as you take the years to develop and give yourself to this, your life will become more and more effective, not only for the kingdom, but it'll just be more joyous in your life. You'll, you'll know how to live You'll know how to die. Amen. That's a good thing. Because the world has its ways. You know, they're still searching for the fountain of youth. We found it. Right? We already found it. And so the principles that are in the word, these aren't just, these aren't just do's and don'ts. It's not just a commandment, even though there are commandments. It's the Lord saying, hey, I've placed this in you, live it out. I've put my nature in you, now put it on. And then when you do that, you actually release anointing into your own life and you release anointing into those around you. Into your circumstance. Do you know, we've been talking about, I've been mentioning in giving on Sundays about the blessing. Do you know the blessing infiltrates and infects everything in the natural if you do it right? I'm talking about God's blessing. It will actually get into your money. <laughs> I love this because you, people, we, we, as, as a general rule, we read the Bible too naturally. Can I ask you something? I'm going to anyway. I don't know why I asked that. <laughs> what is healing in a body? It's a blessing, yes, but what is it? It's the anointing getting in your physical. What is the blessing? It's the anointing getting in your finances. It actually gets into the substance of the earth. Come on, come on, come on, come on. What is the curse? It's a spiritual reality that was what? Released into the physical. The Lord, God told Adam, he said, if you eat of that tree in dying, you will die. That's what it says in the Hebrew. It doesn't say you shall, you'll surely die. It actually says in dying, you will die. 
So what is the anointing? What is the resurrection? What is the power of Christ? When, when we're born again, what, is, what are those promises manifesting in our life? It's the anointing coming into the physical. Removing curse and replacing with covenant with God. Right? So when, we, when you talk about walking with the Lord, when you talk about uh, living these things out that we've looked at, what are you doing? It's as simple as walking in love. What is walking in love? It's the release of heaven into your world. It's the release of healing into your thinking, which will produce healing where? Come on, scientifically, they prove this stuff. What I mean by prove is they figure it out after the Bible already said it. Have you ever heard of anybody dying from a broken? Even though at times people actually didn't have any physical anything, they just that shows you that there is power beyond what is seen. And so discipleship or even growing spiritually, develop, spirit, developing spiritually, spiritually and following these principles, God's not saying this from the standpoint of don't do this because I'll kill you if you do. He's saying if you function within these things, you're opening yourself up to the one who is a murderer. Come on, do you see it? Religion paints it the other way. Gospel preaches it this way. Because in doing the right thing, in following in principle and obeying, which is really just walking by faith, you actually release God into everything you do. This is why faith is so important. You know, sometimes people think, yeah, I know everything about faith. If you think that, you are in trouble, big time, because there's so much about faith we don't know that we need to increase in and grow in. So let's look at these things. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 now, and we'll get into this even greater. Realize that this word coming into you, it should change the way you talk. But as it's coming in, it's giving you light and understanding. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. And we're going to look at this. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. And the old commandment, or um, as far as what it is, it's actually walking in love. Is what it basically boils down to. And that's found in James chapter 2, 8. It's called the royal law of love. And it's also found in 2 John 1, 5. And it talks about walking in love and that this is a commandment. And I'm not going to read those verses. But I will say this about 2 John uh, chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, the commandment of love was given to us in Leviticus 19, 18. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's what Leviticus 19.18 says. So this is an old commandment. That's what John is referencing here in 1 John 2.7. He's referencing Leviticus 19.18. Now let's look at verse number 8. 1 John chapter 2 verse number 8. It says, again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. I love this commentary on this. It says this, here we see a powerful statement by the Holy Spirit through John. He is telling us that the commandment has been around since the law, but now it is actually doable because of who is in you and me. So he says this, he says, which he says, a new commandment I write to you. It's not that the commandment is new. It's that the ability to keep the commandment is new. So you can actually love the way the law said or way, the way the commandment said. Why? Because the author of the commandment lives in me. So you can actually love the person you think you hate. Listen to me, no matter what they've done to you. Now, I, was, I read through this stuff sometimes. I think, Lord, nope, that's impossible. Because th I'm thinking naturally, right? I'm thinking, I'm thinking externally, not internally. 
But the Lord said this, and I was even talking to Heidi about this this morning because I was reading over some things uh, in, our, in my devotion this morning and praying about some things. And Philippians says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so that isn't, that isn't a, a scripture of willpower. That's a scripture of submission. My willpower is to submit to his power. And in doing that, I can do 1 John 2.8. I can walk in the commandment of what? Love, right? When I submit to his... So I'll put it to you like this. All demands or all truths or commandments that are in the new covenant can only be walked out in a supernatural way. Now, the problem with what people think of in terms of supernatural is this. They think spectacular. They think, well, i got to have a feeling. That's not faith. You have a belief. You yield your will to the Lord's belief. In other words, you submit, therefore, to God and resist who? The devil. And then the power of God can do what through me and through you? It can operate, right? And you actually can love a person supernaturally even though they hate you. Yes. <laughs> or have you can love a person supernaturally who has mistreated you. You can forgive people, and the enemy might try to bring a thought to you, but you actually can just shrug it off, and you don't even let it affect how you walk because you're walking from a place of the reality of Christ within. Come on, if anybody has the right to be offended, I think Jesus would. I think God would. And you know what traps people? They don't let the commandment lead them. They let their natural thinking lead them. In other words, their mind runs in circles about what the person did wrong to them. Which is exactly wrong because the scripture says that we're to take control of how many thoughts? Oh. And bring them into the obedience of who? Ooh, all? But you don't know what they did to me. You don't know who's in you. And I'm not saying you're not saved. You are saved. It's just hurting you. How many times? Oh, I'm going to go here. I love it. I'm going to do it. It's Wednesday night. You, you came. It's your fault. <laughs> How many times have I had people come through the doors of this church and go, yeah, I'm leaving my other church because the pastor did this to me and this to me, this to me. So many times. That is not a reason to leave a church. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Somebody play heavy on the organ. Hey. <laughs> and you hurt people too. And I've hurt people too. And if you think you're going to find a perfect church, you might as well leave now because I am going to screw it up for you. And I'm not believing for it. I just know how the enemy works. There is no perfect church. They don't exist outside of the spirit. Because <laughs> guess what? We're all here. That's why the love commandment is there. Now, the wonderful thing about love is, is I can understand and, and actually, uh, how would I say this? I can understand a person from God's perspective. When you do that, your flesh will be offended. Your own flesh will be offended at you for forgiving them even though they deserve judgment. Your own flesh will go, you're an idiot. And you say, shut up, stupid. You're a slave to righteousness. You say, you call your flesh stupid? Well, I don't call it smart. <laughs> I mean, last time I read its desires and motive, motives, it, it boiled down to stupid. <laughs> In my mind, you know? This body will have to be replaced God won't even let me take this into heaven. He's like, I don't want that thing. We have, we have, we have new stuff around here. 
that doesn't cause us problems. But supernaturally, if I'm going to function at a supernatural level, I'm going to have to function in a place where I'm yielded to the Lord and I'm controlling, I'm navigating, I'm taking captive and keeping in line my thinking and grabbing my flesh and actually enslaving it to righteousness. No, you can't talk that way. No, you can't act that way. No, we are not justified in stepping outside the commandment of love just because somebody else has harmed me in some way. I can't do it. I won't do it. Um, I'm not saying I haven't done it. I won't do it. That's not my purpose and my goal. Why? Because not only does it affect me, but then it has a residual effect out from me. Then actually I begin to operate in a place where I'm treating people who haven't done anything to me necessarily from that original hurt or that place where that came from. I begin to treat them in a skewed, demented, actually a twisted way. And this is why renewing the mind is so important. This is why these scriptures are so important. Because they change the way we think. I can now see people from a perspective of faith. I'm seeing people's circumstances and things from a different position. Amen? Mature Christianity. Now, this will really pay off for you if you do it. And in 10 years, we're all going to laugh about this. Because we're going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And if I miss it, I'm going to apologize, and then I'm going to get up and go again. Because I'm not, I'm not going back, that's for sure. I want to go further. I want to go off the deep end in faith. You understand what I mean by that? I just want to get lost in it. But mature Christianity, people that are mature in the Lord, they don't show, they don't gather in a group of people. I'm talking about mature believers, believers that have been saved for years and practice the word. They don't gather into a group of people and automatically think about what everybody else should be doing for them to make them comfortable. Mature believers look for ways to serve. They look for ways to be a light, to be a witness, to empower others to walk in the fullness of what God has created them to be. That's what maturity does. But you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot, especially in America, I, maybe it's in other countries too. I can't say, you know, I can say what I've experienced. But there are a lot of people that go to churches. Do you know why they pick the church? Because they like it. Now, I'm speaking specifically to people that have been saved for several, I mean, a long time. They like it. Why did, you, why did you go to that church? Did the Lord lead you to that church? They, that doesn't even come out of their mouth. Well, it fits my schedule. It fits your schedule. I know, this is fun, isn't it? Is that a reason for a mature believer? Now, I'm talking about a mature believer. Is that a reason to do something? I mean, on a, on, for a major decision like church, things like that. The things of God. Well, it's convenient for me. It's just stuff to think about. And to consider and to pray about. Why? Why, why are you in the career you're in? Well, I can make a lot of money. So money's the leading. Is money supposed to be the leading? What's the leading? The Lord, right? Well, why do, why do I, I, I don't go to, I don't hang out with those people anymore. Why? Well, they really hurt me. So hurt is the leading. Now, I'm not saying if it was an abusive situation, you should just go and show up and become somebody's doormat. But a lot of times what people call hurt is just really a whole bunch of nothing in the, in the, in the grand scope of what it is. It doesn't really amount to that much. 
It's petty things. It's low-level stuff. How many this week have been faced with the possibility of being stoned to death for your Christianity? Hmm? <laughs> planning, on, planning on it? <laughs> We're only halfway through the week, brother. Let me see what I can come up with. <laughs> I've, I've ran into situations where, now, I'm t now, again, specifically, hear me. If you just got saved in the last six months, you might want to tune me out or shelve what I'm talking about. Because it's going to take you a little bit, all right? Or in the last couple of years. But if you've been saved for 30 years, 20 years, I know people that actually attend churches because their friends attend that church. I've had people look at me and go, we'd love to come to your church, but all our friends are over here. So friends lead you. What are you telling me? Now, I know they're doing it in some level of ignorance, but what are they saying? They're saying, I love my friends more than God's. Oh, I, I just, I, sometimes I wish God wouldn't deal with me like this. But it is the way it is. How many have watched, I better connect on something here. How many have watched The Chosen recently? And you remember when Peter got upset with Jesus? Did you notice Jesus didn't chase him down? What did Jesus say? He said, Peter's got some things he's got to work out. Guys, I think sometimes we have this picture of Jesus that isn't true. Like he, American Jesus, finds you wherever you are, no matter what you've done, and just pets you in your pity all the time. And just consoles you. He is the consoler. The great consoler. I realize it's, some people are praying, and they think God is actually strengthening the hurt feelings they have within them. He is not. He knows that if he feeds that, that thing will turn into something that is destructive in their lives. He is not that. Now, he will comfort you with the purpose of getting you free. But he will not reinforce the enemy's death grip in your life. He doesn't strengthen yokes of the enemy. He destroys them. And walking in love is a big part of that. You know, I'd rather be unfriended by others and friended by Jesus than the other way around. And that doesn't mean I go to the people that unfriended me and treat them in, uh, outside the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that. Do you know, we, Heidi and I, through the years, we've made decisions just for years and years and years to follow what the Lord has for us. At one point, Heidi got offered a job with, uh, is it, it's the buckle, right? Yeah, I know that. But at the buckle, and they wanted to try to make her, uh, uh, turn her into a manager. Because she, everywhere she went, you know, the store made money. You don't want, want to know why? The blessing. <laughs> Heidi is not a manipulator at all. But when she would sell things, like she, because you know, you ever met a professional salesman? You're, you're a really good salesperson, and people will know you're a really good salesman or woman if you genuinely care about them, then you'll sell a lot. You know what I mean by that? You won't have to, you won't have a lot of returns. So she had the management, the upper management, start talking to her about that when we were down in Tulsa. Well, do you want to, you know, work up and, you know, get your own store and all that? And you know what Heidi said? No, we're going to go into the ministry. You tell that to upper management? Well, let me ask you, who's upper management? Because I'm living for eternity. <laughs> right? Aren't you? I mean, even if I made very little money my whole life here, when I get to heaven, it won't matter anyway. 
But I do want him to look at me and go, well done. Through the years, I've done it many times. I've thought, well, I could do this and make a little bit of money. There are times where I said, Lord, well, I could do this on the side while I'm doing this and make some money. He goes, no, you're not doing that. Well, Lord, then this could come in. He said, just believe me. Fine, we'll believe you, Lord. It's the best way. Sometimes you got to do that, right? So what makes this commandment new in verse 8 is, is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to keep it. It is in, it in, in this new covenant. Verse 9 says this, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness till now. I wonder if we touched on this. Just because the Holy Spirit lives in us as believers does not mean that he is controlling us. The Holy Spirit controls us when we live in fellowship with him. Fellowship with the Lord is what empowers us to live above sin. If we are out of fellowship, we will end up walking like the world or in an Old Testament position of knowing the commandment but not being able to walk in it. Fellowship will keep you fresh. Now, I'm not using the word relationship. People say, well, I just feel so far away from the Lord. It's probably because you're walking after your flesh and not after your spirit. It's not because you're not born again. Do you know, the Lord said this to me years ago. He said, an unrenewed mind and out of control flesh will lock up the resurrection within you. Now, what I mean by that is not that the resurrection can't overcome those things. It just suppresses that because you're, you're, you're developing, functioning in thought patterns and feelings and ways of operating that are outside of faith and a renewed mind. And it creates chaos. You actually manifest carnality around you. You manifest death. You manifest death, right? What will self-pity manifest? Do you think God's in heaven feeling sorry for himself? I just, these people down there, they just don't listen at all. I mean, you think you got it bad. Imagine God's position. You know, you think your employees are rebellious. <laughs> God's been putting up with this for thousands of years. <laughs> we got it pretty good. Amen? <laughs> Notice John is speaking to Christians who hate because he said hates his what? Brother? There can be hate in the church? Oh, to such a degree. To such a degree. No, not in the church. We're new creatures with old minds and old bodies. They're actually, I mean, do you think about this? In Corinthians, these are things I, I just, it's, I think about these things, I go, yeah, wow, that's amazing. I mean, in a bad way, but it's amazing. But think about 1 Corinthians. Paul said, there's actually reported sin among you. That isn't even among the world. Now, here's a thought for you. He didn't say they weren't saved. Come on, religious thinkers. I'm quoting the Bible. Now, how do Christians come up with sin that the world hasn't yet? That's a thought, isn't it? Especially when you have resurrection power through ignorance and the flesh. That's what causes it. He said it's a sin that's not even named among the world. That's pretty amazing. I mean, in a negative way. You know what I mean by that? I'm not impressed at like... Wow, you know, they really did it. I'm more like impressed, like, really? Really? Okay. 
So we need to be aware of this, that hatred can happen in the church. But what is hatred affecting? It's affecting our witness. It's affecting our relationships. It's affecting marriages. Do you know uh, marriages, spouses have hidden hatred for their spouse. And they don't want to touch it because they've gone back to it so many times and it never gets resolved. So they think, well, I'm just not going to bother with it. But yet it's still sitting there. You got to deal with it. You got to talk it out. As believers, we have the ability to share, to walk in love one with another and work things out. But out of fear, many times people won't because they think everything will fall apart if I do that. Actually, if you don't, chances are greater it'll fall apart. Because you have something working there under, underneath that maybe hasn't sprung up yet. And I'm not talking about picking fights. I'm talking about you have a relationship with your spouse and you genuinely come together and talk things out. You get, a, you get it settled and you move on. That means the husband doesn't bring up what you did 25 years ago every time you get in an argument. And the wife doesn't bring up the five things you did 23 years ago after you did what she, after she did what she did 25 years ago. You have not forgiven. <laughs> Amen. It has not happened. It's not gone. There's something sitting there, and if there's something sitting there, it's producing something. Because seeds never, if there's good ground there, seeds will grow. They will grow. Well, sometimes it seems like it's harder to deal with it than not to. That's what it seems like, but in the long run, it won't be that way. You have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. This this verse in verse 9 proves... That a believer can walk in darkness with the light of God on the inside of them. Living in the darkness comes from an unrenewed mind and uncontrolled flesh. Again, we see a believer who has truth in them, but they are living in darkness. They are walking or conducting themselves in a lie. Verse 10, he who loves his brother abides in the... And there is no cause for what? Stumbling in him. He who loves his brother. If you always love your brother or sister in Christ, then you will never walk in sin. I'm going to say this again. If you always love your brother or sister in Christ, then you will never walk in sin. And you say, is it possible to not walk in sin? Yes, love. Love is the fulfillment of the what? The law. In other words, you're not going to commit, you're not going to lie. You're not going to uh, blaspheme. You're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to do the things that, you, that we call, you know, the top ten, the ten commandments. You're not going to do any of those things if you're walking in the love of God. That's why the, the love of God is the fulfillment of the law. So it goes on to say this. It says, if you walk in love with your brother or sister in Christ, you will never walk in sin. You will see sin coming a mile away, and you will walk away from it. When you stay in fellowship with the Lord, it keeps us from making drastic mistakes. Because when we start when we start to get a little off of the off, the Holy Spirit reveals it to us and we adjust. Mature believers learn to judge the inward thought right away before it becomes an outward act. Maturity is aware. What is that the same thing as saying? Take every thought to the obedience of Christ. Christ is love. Christ is the anointed one in his anointing. So what am I doing? I'm grabbing that before it comes out, either in word or in action. Well, they hurt me so bad, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to drive my car through their lawn. Jesus is not driving cars through lawns. I'm going to go, you know, spin Brody's in their front yard. Nope, Jesus ain't doing that. He's not. Well, I'm going to give him the cold shoulder. What if Jesus gave you the cold shoulder every time you did something wrong? What if Jesus acted the way people do? 
naturally, Christians sometimes. What if when you, when, if I sin, Jesus is like, I just can't, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do it. What if he did that? One translation of 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it says, Love's, love remains in difficult relationships. Ooh. People say, well, I don't have any difficult relationships. Then you're living on an island. You got no friends. Because <laughs> everybody has something that they annoy somebody else over. Everybody has hurt somebody or done something sin-oriented. This is, why, this is why God harps on this in this church. You realize this church would not grow if we didn't harp on love? I would leave. No amens. Surprising. <laughs> I would. If I didn't have the love of God in me, I'd leave. I'd quit. And it's not because I, oh, just the burden is so big. It's because I need supernatural ability, just like you do. If I didn't have the love of God in me, I'd act just like the world. I'd leave my wife. I'd abandon my kids. I'd go do whatever I wanted to do. But what do I have in me constraining me? Resurrection. Inside of me. Controlling me. What I mean by that is I yield to him within me. And I what? I walk through this life in a supernatural way. What do you supernatural? I forget the past. I do not feel bad one bit about my past. Not even a little. Why? Supernaturally, it's been removed from me. Amen? Last verse. We made it to 11. We're going to have to come back to 11. But we made it to 11. It says this. He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Who's this written to? Christians. Amplified. He who hates, detests, despises. I just detest them. Oh, here comes that person. I just despise them. And they're your brother and sister in Christ. Do you know what that's the same as saying? James said it. It's the same as saying, I hate my left leg. I hate this, this leg. I just I can't stand this leg. I just wish this leg was gone. How much is that going to help me? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but a lot of the church. Sorry, I'm prophesying right now. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, fighting the devil, one arm, one leg. <laughs> yeah, it's like my, only the opposite of what I like, but yeah. <laughs> you say, what do you mean by that? If I hate my brother, if I hate my sister, well, if I just get away from this group, then everything will be okay. No, you'll still be there. And guess what? Wherever you go, you are, and you're going to meet people just like me, just like everybody here. Oh, yeah. I love what Pep said at the rally. I don't know if it was Pep, maybe it was somebody else. The grass is always greener, right? It was because there's poop over there. <laughs> Smile big. <laughs> it's true. It's absolutely true. Maybe they just have more fertilizer, and you don't know it. It says, detest his brother in Christ is in darkness and walking and living in the dark. He is straying and does not perceive or know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Another translation, the New Living Translation says, but anyone who hates his other... Hates another brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Another translation, God's word says this. Those who hate other believers are in the dark and live in the dark. They don't know where they're going because they can't see in the dark. A lot of times people don't need a new vision. 
They need to repent and get in love and they'll see the vision that was already given to them. Here we have an inward sin in a believer's life and look what the outcome is. The, Christian, the Christians end up not knowing where they are going. They have, they have blinded eyes because of inward sin, specifically the sin of hating a fellow believer. It seems strange that a believer has, who has the light of life in them could be blinded by and walking in darkness. But again, this is the difference between positional truth and temporal truth. This tells me that a believer can actually wander around in this life, never fulfill what God has planned for them, and still make heaven when they die. Thank God for his mercy. My God, that's just amazing to me. Love will cause us to see people and situations correctly, and hate will cause us to see nothing. It will always produce blindness. Hate will always produce blindness. Every single time. So let me say this. In regards to this. I just feel like this is the case. And I'm just going to exhort you to do this. I'm not going to even lead in this, lead you in this. You can do it on your own later. Go back and forgive the spouses that hurt you. Forgive yourself if you messed up. Stop hating ex-spouses. Stop hating past people that hurt you in past relationships. Stop, kids, stop hating your parents over stuff. Quit it. Stop hating pastors. Stop it. I am telling you, stop it. And what do you mean by people say, well, I can't just stop it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you can just stop it. By the power of Christ within you, you can stop it. And I'm not saying that because, uh, because like I just need to, 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 I just feel like, you know, I just got to say this because people need to quit doing this. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying stop. Stop, stop living in bitterness and rehearsing churches that hurt you before, supposedly. Maybe they did. Maybe they legitimately did. Stop. It's affecting your relationship with the Lord. It's affecting your relationship and your ability to love the people in your life. Let it go. Well, you don't know what my previous... Guys, listen, we got to stop with that. The Bible is not a book of psychology. Well, I would have turned out different if my parents... Yeah, we all would have turned out different if somebody would have done something. I mean, I, I had to work for years to forgive my dad for making me watch The Three Stooges. It messed me up. <laughs> just, I just needed to lighten it up. I just... All right. But for real, stop. Well, this would have been different if they would have... Nope, it's over. You're past it. It's not just water under the bridge. That's not really a scripture, all right? It's you've forgiven because you've been forgiven much, and you're going to walk in light and fulfill what God has for you, and you're not going to turn around at the end of it when a person comes back into your life or you run into a person from before, and they hurt you and harmed you and turn around and go, look, I succeeded anyway. You're still a loser. None of that. You're going to go, let me share with you how I overcame through Christ. God is not trying to keep people out of heaven. He's, done, he's doing everything he can to get them in. Well, I'm a, you know, I have an abusive boss. Well, the scripture says what to do in 1 Peter. Go read it. <laughs> and it's not you get to get up and leave and give them a piece of your mind. Well, my in-laws, they're great. I love my in-laws. Really, I love my in-laws. But they have put up with stuff from me. Yeah, well, 
But you know what? We don't have hatred. And we don't agree on everything. <laughs> you don't have to say it so emphatically. You know, you... <laughs> but we don't. But I don't, we don't let bitterness run through the crew. I will not. I will not. I won't. I don't want to die prematurely. I don't want to not fulfill what God has called me to do. He's forgiven me so much. Guys, he's forgiven us so much. We are, we're made whole. I deserved nothing. How can I withhold or live with hatred in me toward my brothers in Christ? Besides that, you're going to get to heaven and God's going to put you right next to them. In heaven. You cannot escape me. I am here. And I am, e I am already in eternity. <laughs> Amen. I know, it's, I know this ain't light stuff. I get it. I'm just thankful we get to teach it. So a lot of places, you know, you'd clear the place out. Nobody would laugh at the end of this sermon. They'd be like, I'm not going back to that church. The guy told me I had to love people that hated me. Can you believe that? <laughs> That's not the kind of church I want to I have. You know, it's the kind of church Jesus wants <laughs> and the one he paid for. Amen? Father, we thank you for tonight and for your word. Lord, we purpose to be doers. Lord, we don't. We're not going to just willpower this. We thank you that your power is working in us to complete the good work you started, as you stated in Philippians chapter 1. We're believing you for it. We thank you for it. We will be doers and not hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bless you guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.